Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Clarity, Part 4, Sons and Daughters of the King, recorded Sunday, June 4th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Dan with today's message. Mark Twain is believed to have said that the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you discover why. And we're in the middle of this series called Clarity, and our desire is that together we would take a look back at God's original design in a way that will help us understand who we are and why we're here, Uh, especially in a time when our world seems to be kind of so out of focus. I thought about this this week and in this way. A couple years ago, I had to finally break down and get glasses, and uh, I didn't do it because it brings out the the beautiful features of my face, you know? And I didn't do it because Scott Jones has them. I'm just trying to be more and more like Scott. It wasn't anything like that. I did that because I started to notice that some pretty important things were getting a little bit fuzzy. Uh, Things like street signs, uh, (laughs) speed limits, uh, the, the instructions on a chair uh, so I could assemble an office chair or on the box, the instructions. I, I just couldn't quite see them, so I'm just guessing. And so I finally make the appointment, and I go see my eye doctor, and um, sure enough, he puts these things on my face, and, and I start to see things with a little bit of clarity. And, and so uh, what I realized then is though once you get glasses, you don't just get glasses. Like, you go back every year, because your eyes aren't just, they don't just get bad, they're getting badder, right? Like, it's, it's that thing, it's just always going to keep getting a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And when you go back into the doctor, they don't just have you look through that, I like to pretend it's like a, a submarine periscope, right? Like, they have you take your glasses off to do that. I, I can't see you, well, I can see you, but you're fuzzy. Uh, they have you take those off because they want to get down to the original. Uh, They want to go back and take a look at where you are without that assistance, to remove uh, artificial assistance, to remove all those things that we do in our lives uh, to make make us be able to see a little bit better. And so this series, and really this whole year, it's that process of removing that artificial assistance, the preconceived notions, uh, or everything that our culture seems to be screaming at us, and instead asking the great physician to help us, uh, to help restore clarity to how we view ourselves and how we view the world around us. And that's why it's so important that we launched this series by referring back to the origin story of humanity. Several weeks ago, Brendan took us through those six acts uh, of God's story, if you remember that, if you were here then. Uh, and it starts with, it's bookended by creation and new creation. Really good things. It's bookended in the middle. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's not always so good. But here's what we read in Genesis 26 talking about creation. It says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And so God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male 
and female, he created them. When scripture repeats itself, it's really important. And three times here we're reminded that we are created by an almighty God. Uh, We are not accidents. He had a, a part to play in this. It was his grand idea and vision for the world that he had made. It says, then God blessed them and said, be, f- be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. And it says, God looked at everything that he had created, mankind, and said, it is very good. And see, it's this picture of being image bearers, imago Dei, people who are created by God as living, moving statues to serve as a a reminder and representatives of him to his creation. And he gives us those three really specific direct instructions. First, be fruitful and multiply. God talked about that for the last couple of weeks. Spoke specifically to us about uh, how we view sexuality as people of God, how, how husbands and wives have a, a very specific and impor- important purpose in this world. And then second is to fill the earth, and that literally means to like move out and about. He didn't just desire for things to say, stay in one garden. He wanted us to expand, and man, as a people, we've made it about 7,000 miles, like good job us, Right? And then third, to govern or subdue the earth, manage and use the resources that God has given us. And in all of this, God's desire and instruction is very simply to make the earth an even greater place. And that word reign carries with it a a huge amount of purpose and responsibility. John Mark Comer, uh, he, uh, he pointed out that the word reign comes from the the, the Hebrew word radah, which can be translated as reign or rule or have dominion. And at the very core of this word, it's, it's royalty language. He, he creates us as representatives of him. And if we have a king as our father, it says something about us and our role and our responsibility Comer writes this, he says, one Hebrew scholar translated it as to actively partner with God in taking the world somewhere. From the beginning of the story, God has been looking for partners. The imagery of humanity's relationship to God is not of puppets on a string with a God up in heaven playing around. Rather, it's of partners, God's representatives on earth, kings and queens ruling over his world. See, God could have made all humans from the dust like he did with Adam. But instead, he chose to work through marriage and family. And he could have made food fall from the sky like he did with manna in the Exodus. But instead, he chose to work through farming and agriculture and trades. And God put mankind in a garden where there's this focal point of a tree. This, uh, this tree that... Uh, he put there, and it's called the tree of life. And sometimes we only talk about the other tree in the book of Genesis. Uh, We talk about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But he put this tree there called the tree of life, and it was a beautiful thing, and it just reminded Adam and Eve 
of Almighty God, of their Creator, and of what He wanted to see happen in the world. The tree of life represented bountiful life and the goodness of Yahweh God. And around this first tree, mankind was created with identity as the children of a king and with purpose as partners in carrying out his desires, that we would make the world a better place, we would bring beauty and creativity and goodness, and ultimately that we would play our part in putting the pieces back together again after the fall. And humans have done this really well at times. We see it all around us. We see it when churches and other organizations send relief after a natural disaster. We see it when people are helped from homelessness into having a home. We see it when families are mentored by other families in the church. We see it in beautiful architecture. If you travel to uh, an older city, you just see how things were designed and built, and that comes from the creativity of God. We see it in botanical gardens, and we're reminded of the vast array of colors and how creative God is and how some humans decided, let's put this all in one place and it'll be beautiful. And we see it in some, some medical things that have really developed. We've, we see it in, in heart valve replacements. We see it uh, when a gallbladder is removed, things that just a few years ago would have taken life. People who studied and had intelligence and really dove into their work honored God by producing some things that make life longer and better. We see it in beautiful music. My wife would say Shakespeare, or not Shakespeare, she would say symphonies, I would say 80s rock, right? Like we see how people take what God has given them and, and make beautiful things from it. We see it in how chocolate and peanut butter came to be partners, right? And some really good things happen that make life just a little bit sweeter, like literally and figuratively. Uh, in both my time in college ministry and here at Third City, like I've just loved having a front row seat to watch as people figure out how they're uniquely wired and situated in life to find their partnership with God. This weekend, I, uh, I got to see one of my alums from CSF. His name is Tim, and uh, I saw him. I didn't get to talk to him because we were on two different boats. We were out fishing, and and I saw him over there, and if, if, you know, if you need to know anything about me and fishing, it's that I have lots of time to think because I'm not good at it, right? Like, but Taylor Jones, he is. And so normally what's happening when I'm fishing is I'm saying, hey, Taylor, can you fix this? And he does, right? And then uh, somehow, I don't know, I catch a fish by the end of the day. But I'm, I'm seeing Tim, and it just has me think back to his freshman year at the university and this really smart kid who's just trying to figure out how does he best serve this God that he's come to believe in. And then eventually, even after post-graduation, he finally figured out that he needed to be a school administrator. And he does it the right way. He is a principal at a smaller school in South Dakota, and he gets to love teachers and students really well. And a lot of you have figured out what it is in your life that allow you to partner with God in that way. And we're seeing this uptick here at Third City of young people, of students who uh, are taking a deep look in how they're being called into partnership with God. 
Uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago, our seniors who have been involved with element groups, uh, they had an incredible sending service for them where their sponsors got to speak into their life, our, our youth ministers got to speak into their life, and they were challenged, you know, whether they're going to stay here in Grand Island or go off to school somewhere else, to see the role that they have to play in the kingdom and to keep chasing after God. And we see pockets of students who are stepping into some different discipleship opportunities where they're meeting here at the building or in someone's home uh, to go a little bit deeper into what God's purpose and plan might be in their lives. And we know that there's going to be uh, a couple hundred students who go off to CIY camps this summer. And can I just tell you, we challenged you, it was a big challenge, that you would give money to make sure that no student would not be able to go to CIY. And you did not meet that goal. You shattered it. You made it possible that students are going to be able to be in a place where their value is spoken to them. Where they hear about a God, some for the first time, who has this kind of a purpose and identity for their lives. Man, Third City, thank you for loving students so much. You're playing a role in this. There's so much good that's taking place. But we also know that in our world, we've, we as humans have found plenty of ways to be ugly and evil and live for a different purpose than God intended. Selfishness and greed and Wars, things done by individuals and things done by groups of people. Genocide just keeps happening in our world. Pornography and the sex trade that results from that keep happening in our world. Slavery and, and racism. Broken relationships that lead to broken families, that lead to broken people, that lead to broken relationships. Because we step away from our identity and purpose. And as a world, I think we're kind of looking right now and saying, where is all of this artificial intelligence stuff headed? Is it going to be this incredible creation? Or is it going to go in a bad direction? And we see as people are taken advantage of, uh, senior adults lose their life savings because someone scams them. Or a Ponzi scheme takes place and people lose their retirement accounts. That list, like it could, we could sit here all day and just talk about it, and it doesn't even include things like Iowa football, right? Like, felt like we needed to laugh just a little bit after some of that. Uh, I became a grandpa for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and so I think when you look at, oh gosh, yeah. <clears throat> I didn't have much to do with it, but. Uh, let me know when I've stared too long, okay? Uh, otherwise, we'll just sing a song and get out now. Uh, uh, when I hold this little guy, uh, two thoughts go through my head. Man, the first one is, I'm so glad you're here, Kobe. Like, go change the world. But the second thought, I know this is a tough world to grow up in, and I just kind of want to wrap him up in bubble wrap keep them safe. And I pray desperately 
that my, my grandson will know and grab onto God's best in his life, not the world's worst, that he will know his purpose and he will know his identity. And I know you do the same for your kids, whether they're two weeks old or 25 years old or 40 years old. You're praying that for your kids. See, just like the written story of God begins with a focal point surrounding a tree, it ends that way as well. A few weeks ago, Brendan read this passage to us in Revelation 22. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations, and no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. And they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will not be the need for a lamp or the light of a sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And if you're like me, we read about those two trees, and we think about how much better it would be just to be at one of them. If we could just go back in time and focus on the tree at the beginning where there was no sin in the world, man, life would be better. Or if we could fast forward to the end where sin and death, disease, it'll be eradicated. Man, it'd be so much better. It'd be so much better if we could just live in those places. Matthew 19, Jesus said this, and I'm just going to paraphrase it for us. He says, I tell you at the renewal of all things, you will be with me, you will sit with me and reign with me. And all the sacrifice and struggle, it'll be worth it. And the word used there, translated as renewal, comes from a Greek word called palagenesia, and it means new genesis or new beginnings and coming back from death to life. And I've got to imagine that when the disciples heard that, they just said, let's do that. Like, right now, let's just do that and not put up. But God is patient, and he's waiting for more and more people to come to know him in a saving kind of a way. But we look at that and say it's preferable to be at one of those two trees. Scott, last week, talked about the ideal and the real. And the truth is that these trees represent ideal, don't they? Uh, we think about our life and the mess that's going on around us, and, and we just kind of like to get there. Unbroken community with God, a sense of purpose that isn't diluted, and a unity that exists between mankind and God's creation and God himself. Shane Wood wrote this about these two trees. He said, and so the Bible ends where it begins, in a garden paradise. God with humanity enjoying the shade of the tree of life. And the problem is, life isn't lived under Eden's tree uh, of life or beneath the healing leaves of the tree in New Jerusalem. Life is lived between these two trees. And between these two trees, life is hard. 
And between these two trees, humanity wrestles with God, embracing and marring his image. Between these two trees, our lives are woven, woven into a tapestry of struggle and loneliness and uncertainty and hopelessness. Murders confused with uh, heroism. Oppression is labeled peace. Gentleness is disparaged. Restraint is mocked. Love is twisted. The poor are maligned while the rich are adored. The prophets are silenced while the profane are revered. Saints are assailed while the adulterers, the adulteress are esteemed. Kids are a commodity and women have become property. And race is justification for abject savagery. Between these two trees, despair is humanity's native tongue and agony its anthem. And when it gets tough, we start asking things like, God, where are you? Do you even care about what's going on? And we're reminded he's not the one that moved. Yeah, he's not the one that lost sight of identity and of purpose. We are. And so if the tree at the beginning and the tree at the end are the ideal, what we live in here, no doubt, is the real. And we start to become numb to the things that are taking place around us. Every act of terror or violence seems less shocking than the previous one. And so does my own selfishness. I just get used to the fact that I'm living for a different identity and purpose than what I was created from. And it's tempting to say the world's gone to hell in a handbasket, as if it's some kind of new thing. But the truth is it's been going on since the beginning. Since Adam and Eve walked away from that tree, it's true. And we live in the middle of it. See, the problem and, and the solution are captured in one of the greatest short stories ever told. In Luke 15, we read this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. And after he had spent everything, he, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed his pigs in the fields. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the, field, that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so please just make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the father said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father would have none of it. And he said, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found, and so they began to celebrate. Ultimately, what led to this story was a child, a young man, who developed fuzzy vision. Now, everything about the world that appeared to be attractive to him took his eyes off those two most important things. 
lost sight of his identity and of his purpose. And when he lost sight of those things, he started walking towards identity and purpose that was destructive and life-sapping rather than life-giving. And he set about to figure it out for himself. And he ended up where most of us figure out or end up when we do that. He ended up in a place of disillusionment and defeat and desperation. So he heads back to the Father and he's practicing that little speech. He would have been okay with a bed and three square meals a day. But his father wasn't. Because what he wanted for him was restoration. What he wanted for him was to him to come right back in as a son, as a member of the family. And he receives those three gifts. He receives the gift of a robe which restores his righteousness. He's covered. His past mistakes don't mar his future anymore. He receives the ring which reminds him of his significance. You see, at that time, when a family wanted to sign a contract or send a letter, they would use a wax seal and, and the, the family ring would be pressed into the seal and would show whoever received that that this came from the family. This contract was signed by the family and so he's reminded you are right back in. And then he received the gift of sandals that reminds him of his freedom. See, when he sold himself into slavery, the first thing that would have happened to him is that his sandals would have been taken away so that he would not run away. So he comes back to the father and he gives him sandals to put on his feet and he says, you have freedom in my household. You do not have to be held slavery to anything any longer. And this is where it's important to realize that this story isn't about some fictional character 2,000 years ago. This story is about every single one of us throughout all of time. That we've settled for something less than what is offered. C.S. Lewis said it this way, our desires, they're not too strong, they're too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. We're like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because you can't fathom what is meant by the offer of a holiday, a vacation at the sea. We are just far too easily pleased. See, we're offered so much, and too often we settle for so much less. And can I just remind you of those two things this morning? First, you have an identity and it's nothing like the identity that this world pushes on you. We exist as sons and daughters, part of a royal family. And then second, we have a purpose. In this world, and that purpose comes from that identity. As representatives of the king, we wake up each day striving to make this world a better place, playing our role in that process of the restoration of all things. And the good news that we need to cling on to is that there are not just two trees. See, smack dab in the story of God, there is a third tree made of human hands. And the people who built this tree, their purpose behind it was ugly. The purpose for that tree was humiliation and punishment, 
defeat and death, and they thought it would stop a movement. But thank God Jesus had bigger and better ideas. Because he allowed himself to be hung on that tree. And that truth, man, it gives us freedom. It gives us significance. And it allows us to be covered in his righteousness. And so if you've already made your way back to the Father, celebrate that today in this moment of communion. If you've been thinking about it, if maybe you're still a little ways off and you're just kind of looking at the homeland, man, let today be the day that you walk back into his arms. God, we thank you for this moment of communion this piece of bread and this cup of juice that remind us of that middle and mighty tree where you meet us right where we're at and you restore us as sons and daughters of yours. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love that song. I think you do too. I, uh, I snuck in here to the worship center, I think on Wednesday of this week when Ransom was getting the room ready and rehearsing a little bit. And I just sat up near the top of the upper seating and worshiped and probably listened to that song 20, 25 times this week. And you know how when you listen to a song over and over, there's different words that jump out to you each time. And this week for me, it was those words again and again and again and again. Um, I keep this uh, video on my phone. I don't know, maybe you've seen it on social media. It's of uh, a young boy who's just trying to free a sheep that has stupidly wandered into a ditch. And he's, he's just given it all he's got. And he finally frees the sheep. And the sheep's running free, just like Dan Walter. <laughs> right back into the ditch. And it's funny but it's also a reminder that in the middle of those trees, we just live in a really tough world and we find ourselves being freed and running right back into the ditch and being freed and running right back into the ditch, don't we? And I hope that there will be a day when I'll just quit running into that ditch. And it's getting better. And I think it is for you too if you're following Jesus. That's that process Scott talked about last week of sanctification. We become more and more like him. And we can stand up to some temptations that maybe a few years ago we weren't able to stand up to. But we still find ourselves in there from time to time. Uh, I love that line in the prodigal son story where it says, the father saw him a long ways off. And he would have nothing to do with any speeches or any groveling. He says he had compassion for him. And he ran to his son. And Third City, because he ran to the son, and we can run to him. And he'll scoop us up. He'll love us and he'll restore us. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. 
Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.